0: Hi, welcome to the City View Church podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. So, it was one of my first days on this new side job that I do of spraying houses for bugs and weeds. And I'm outside and I'm, I'm using this thing called a BNG. A BNG, if you ever have a bugman come through your house, It's that metal container with the spray handle, that's called a BNG. And so I'm walking on the outside doing spot spraying for weeds at this house. And I'm I'm focused on getting these things done, wanting to do the best job in the best amount of time as possible. Um, and so I'm, I'm walking around the corner of, of this guy's backyard with my B&G, and, and I'm just looking, and I'm looking for weeds. And as I'm getting ready to go from the side of his house to underneath his patio, I see a weed. And so I stop that walk, I spray here, and I go full speed walking right into an outdoor TV. And I knock my head hard. And I'm feeling like I'm about to get knocked out. I'm so focused on this one small thing that I miss the biggest thing sitting on this dude's patio. Now, I've done this house before. I've sprayed their house before. I've sprayed their house for weeds. And it's amazing how one little thing can distract you from a big thing. The reality is that happens in our life all the time. We can get so focused on these small little things in life that we miss the biggest thing that is going to try to distract and ruin us in life. And that's exactly what the devil wants to do. He wants to focus on these small things that don't matter that much so that he might ruin the big things in our life. I was so focused looking down that I didn't think to look up first. The reality is in our life, These same distractions, these same things are happening every single day. My problem is I was not alert, I was not watchful, and I was easily taken out. Our life, whether we know it or not, is the same way. We must be watchful, we must be alert because somebody is out there to take us out. We live in a very spiritual world. There are spiritual forces out there in our life every single day. Whether we believe it or not, there's spiritual forces going against us and going for us. Our world pretty much exists in a spiritual realm. Most every country, pretty much every country believes in a spiritual realm. You go to Thailand, they believe in a spiritual realm. You go to Mexico, they believe in a spiritual realm. You go to India, they believe in a spiritual realm. You go to Sedona, they believe in a spiritual realm. We exist and we are living in a spiritual realm. There are true forces for us and against us. We have a real enemy and his name is the devil and he really does want to ruin our lives but we also have a real victor his name is Jesus who's already defeated the enemy and he is wanting us to win and to live in the victory that we have and as we exist in this spiritual world God wants us to live aware of what's happening around us today we're going to look at three things we're going to look at how can we be spiritually minded how can we identify that we are in a spiritual battle And then how can we live in spiritual victory? That's what we're going to look at today because here's the thing. This battle that we're in, it is won or lost by our faith. There's nothing else. It's won or lost by faith. Faith in Jesus, that he truly lived, that he truly died, and he truly rose again. And that he really forgives you of your sins and that he wants to set you free. So this victory is only won in that faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I'm excited. I think you want to set us free. You want to give us victory. And you want to help us to live spiritually minded, Lord, so that we might walk in the victory that you've given us. God, I pray that our hearts and our minds would be ready for what you have for us. God, I ask that you would speak to each person that is here today at the place they are. Lord, I pray they realize that you are a loving God who cares, who wants what's best. And so, Lord, convict our hearts, awaken our hearts, allow us to see things that you wanna work on so that we might walk in victory. God, I pray for churches throughout the valley today. God, I know we're not the only one meeting. So God, as there is spiritual battles going on at churches all over, God, I pray that you'd bless those pastors. God, I pray for Dan over at Pure Heart. I pray for Aaron over at Jesus Church, Eric over at the bridge, Mark over at Calvary. Um, And God, I ask that you'd bless us here at City View in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. My name is Jeremiah. I know some of you have already had pie, and I'm so thankful. There is a fly, and it is from the devil, and it is attacking me. It's it's just relentless. So if I do this, I'm swatting the devil away. I'm not the devil, but that fly is going. It's, it's Satan. But my name is Jeremiah. I hope you had pie if you didn't. We've got plenty of pie next door. Um, You get to see the new room, but it's going to be a great day. So if you're joining us online, good morning to you as well. We are continuing our series in the book of First Peter. We're just about done. We're going to finish next week, I promise. We were supposed to finish two weeks ago, but I decided to add a little more, not to the Scripture, but dive a little deeper into a, a couple sections. So if you've missed any of Peter, um, you should go back and listen. Especially the last few weeks, you should go back and listen um, and see what the Lord has for you. Today, we're in First Peter chapter 5, picking up in verse 5b. That means the second half of verse 5. And as we finish off this section, as I said a little bit ago, Peter wants us to focus on three Christian focuses. I almost did this. Three Christian focuses. Three Christian focuses. Being spiritually minded, identifying our spiritual battle, and realizing we can live in spiritual victory. Those three things. So First Peter chapter 5, 5b, verse 5. It says, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. For God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. He says, clothe yourselves. You all think that's when this jacket comes into in my sermon. Nope, not yet. It'll come later. It'll come later. So just so that you can know that that's not coming out yet. You'll, you'll hear about it in a little bit. Clothe yourselves. The first thing Peter focuses on when it comes to our being spiritually minded, he says if we want to change, if we want to live this life that God has called us to, if we want to be spiritually minded in this battle that we're in, the first thing we must do is humble ourselves. First thing, we must humble ourselves. This word humble means to be brought low. You know, I, I know many of us, we send texts, we send emails, Maybe you write letters. But when you use the words you use, you typically have a reason for picking the very specific word. Would that be an accurate thing to say? You have a reason for using the certain word. So as Peter is writing this letter, he uses this word humble, which in the original language they had a few different reasons or different meanings of the word humble. This one means to be brought low. And as Peter is thinking of being spiritually minded, as Peter is thinking of of this being our personality, who we are, and as this word means to be brought low, I'm wondering if he is being reminded of the time when Jesus humbles himself and washes the disciples' feet. After a long day of, of walking and work, the disciples in John chapter 13, the disciples are out, and they've been working and serving people. They've been walking through streets in sandals. Imagine, we have a friend, last service, he works on a farm. And I, and I asked him, I said, you know, every day, if you were to work on a farm in your, what are those sandals that people wear that are all straps and your feet get dirty and, what are they called? Tevas, cha- what are they called now? Chacos. First off, I don't want to see your feet, but, I um, mean, if you wear sandals, that's cool for you. More power to you. But imagine in those days, imagine if if Michael, my friend who's a farmer, if he's working on his farm all day and he walks in to have dinner with his wife, his wife would say, go wash those nasty feet. I don't want those in our house right now. We're getting ready to eat, and nobody wants to see that. You're like, I wear that." It's just, he walks in nasty. Now, go back 2,000 years. They didn't have cars. They had donkeys, horses, and any other kind of ants, sheep, so can you imagine, you right now can barely walk across the street, and how many of you ever stepped in gum? Okay, we've all had that experience. So imagine being a disciple, and you're walking across the street, and all of a sudden you step in a pedal. That's not water. But the camel that just walked in front of you, that just got rid of all of its camel that you just walked in, in your sandals, that are thin. They're not like raised, they're thin. Or you step in, who knows what that camel also left behind after it did. So you can picture their feet. So the disciples, they come to the last supper, the last meal, the last time they're going to eat together. And in those days, they don't sit at a table. They recline at a table like this. So I've got me and Isaiah. we Isaiah, why don't you come on up here? Isaiah, come on up here. And, and Mo, why do you come on up here? Come on up here. Mo and Max, you can come up up here too. Caden, come on up here too. Come on, all of us, come up here. And we're going to have dinner together. Come on, guys, let's have dinner. This is the table and our feet, okay? No, your feet don't go by, well sure, you can sit there because I'm sure Peter did, sat like that. You can sit however you want. So we're having dinner and there was a typical thing where a servant, the lowliest of servants, would wash the feet of every person before dinner. Why do you think it was important to have their feet washed? What are you doing right here? Eating, and where's Mo's feet? By the dinner. By the dinner table. Do I want those feet anywhere near? And typically they would recline like this, so they'd eat like this. And so my feet would be somewhere maybe closer to Mo's face. Does Mo want my nasty feet anywhere near his face? No. So what Jesus did, what really would have been cool is if I would have like had buckets and all that. So what Jesus did is Jesus took off his robe. He put a towel on himself. He humbled, brought low. And he washed each disciple's feet. Peter says, you guys going to have a seat? Thank you so much for your nasty feet. Peter says, humble yourselves. Be brought low. We are to clothe ourselves, jacket's coming in a little bit, with humility. That means put it on daily. Paul tells us what this humble heart looks like in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 when he talks about love. He says this, love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous. Love does not brag. Love is not arrogant. Love is not rude. Love does not demand its own way. Love is not irritable. Man, I hate that one. If you have a black sharpie and if you don't want to obey the Lord, you can sharpie that one out. I struggle with that one. I'm not going to lie. I can be irritable. Anybody else can be irritable out there? Is it only me? Thanks, the rest of you sinners that aren't raising your hands. Love doesn't lie either. Love does not keep records of wrong done, love does not rejoice in injustice. But love, or a humble heart, rejoices in the truth. Love never gives up. Love believes the best, not looks for the worst. It, it, it's sort of like, picture it this way. If somebody, so I'm, 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 anyway, I'm the boss at City View. And if somebody's late to work, How many of you are, your first thought is, they probably just slept in. They're lazy. Your first thought, love believes what's best. I struggle in this because I'm like, I'm beyond time. That's that's me. I'm just like, go. Love says, man, I hope they're okay. Love says, I hope they didn't get in an accident. Love said, man, I hope their kid didn't wake up and throw up all over them this morning. Love says, I, I hope them and their wife are having a good morning and that their car didn't like break down. Love believes what's best, and then when you find out the worst, you forgive. Love hopes all things. That's a humble heart. Humility is a heart and a mind condition. When we don't have the heart, when when we don't have this heart, what it means is we're being opposed to what's true. The opposite of humility is pride. Pride goes against God and he goes against you. Pride turns us away from God. It is pride that turned Lucifer into Satan. It is pride that made Eve not want to love God but wanted to be God. It is pride that keeps us from God. God's heart is to lift us. God's heart is that as we're at this humble state, that God comes up and says, rise up and be with me. That's the heart of God. God's heart is that as we humble ourselves, that he lifts us up. Not that we're trying to find praise. Have you ever find those people that just want to be praised, they want to be thanked, they want you to tell them why they're so good at all these things? God says, You be humble and I will do that. I will lift you up. That's what, it says humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he might lift you up. The mighty hand of God though is is different depending upon whether or not you have a heart that is humble or a heart that is proud. The mighty hand of God to to a person who is humble. The mighty hand of God symbolizes strength, symbolizes power, symbolizes God's sovereignty and his control. The mighty hand of God to somebody who has a humble heart symbolizes salvation, security, care, protection, assurance, and confidence. That's that's where the, the humble hand, when you are humble, the mighty hand of God is something you thrive under. But the mighty hand of God, to the proud, still is strength and power, is still sovereign and controlled, but to them it's a warning, and there's fear, and anger, and wrath, and judgment, and condemnation. So the first thing Peter says, is if we wanna be spiritually minded, we first must be humble. The second thing he says is be anxious for nothing. He says in verse five, he said, or verse seven, he says, cast all your anxiety on him. Anxiety can do a wonder, can't it? Anxiety can make you think stupid things. How many of you ever had to have a meeting with your boss and your boss says, hey, I need to meet with you. Anybody ever have that? And how many of you, when your boss says that, you're like, oh, what did I do wrong? How many of you, that's like one of your first thoughts? What, what did I, what do I, what do they need to talk to me? Anybody? Or is that only me? Yeah, your boss like, oh, gosh. And sometimes they're just, hey, I just want you to work on this project, or hey, you rarely ever is it you're doing a great job, rarely ever. But rarely ever is it, hey, you're failing and I want to fire you today. Rarely, right? It's usually nothing, but somehow in our mind, Anxiety overwhelms. And here's what anxiety does. Anxiety, this word anxiety means, that state of being pulled apart. Anxiety is like this jacket. It's heavy. It's dark. It's cumbersome. weighs us down and keeps us from being able to live the life, the thriving life that God has for us. Anxiety does this to you. It makes you, you can't run. You can't, like if I were to try to play golf in this, or if I were to try to play football in this, or run track in this, like, I couldn't. I get caught up on the pockets, I caught up on this, and anxiety is, is defined like this. It's discontentment, it's discouragement, it's despair, it's, it's questioning, it's constantly questioning, am I good enough, does, do people like me, does Jesus love me? Doesn't that cause anxiety in your heart? Anxiety is pain, it's suffering, it's worry, it's loss, it's depression, it's being overwhelmed, it's confusion. And at some point, we put these things on. And many times, it's all of them, isn't it? And we wear anxiety. And it's this dark cloud about us that we just cannot get away from. Peter says we need to change our mindset. We are to cast our cares. That means to take the jacket off and to put it on something else. But here's what we do so many times with our anxieties is we give God little pieces of our anxiety. We don't give God our anxieties. We give him, hey, God, I'm worried about tomorrow's work. Hey, God, I'm worried about my girlfriend. Or not even that, if I'm ever going to have a girlfriend. Hey, God, I'm worried. And we give God little anxieties. We don't give him our anxiety. We don't give him these big things. We give him pieces of it. Peter says to cast means to take off and to place on somebody else. He says, cast your anxiety, your cares on him, on Jesus, not on your neighbor, not on your spouse. Not on your kids. Now you share those with them, but many times we cast our anxieties on our spouse, our boyfriend, or girlfriend. They can't carry them, but he can. And he wants your anxieties. He can handle your anxieties because you know what? When I share some anxieties on my wife, or she shares some on me, guess what? I pick up. I pick them up, and I become anxious. Or she becomes anxious for me. Or I get angry for her. Or she gets angry for me. And we all of a sudden, like, anxiety rises. How do you do it in a, as a married couple or as a dating couple? You should, I I don't even know. you got to start here. You don't start here. Many times we start here. But when you start here, you put it on the Lord first. And your wife says, hey, I, I noticed you're struggling. What's going on? And you, Then you can say, you know what? this is what I'm going through and I'm giving to the Lord and it's a constant giving to him but when you start here it's unhealthy so Paul, Peter says he says cast your anxieties your cares and why do we cast because he cares for us and how do we know because Peter experienced Jesus' care can you imagine Peter's anxieties I cut off a dude's ear that was Peter that was one of the things he did If you don't know the Bible, Peter cut off a guy's ear right in front of Jesus. Imagine cutting off somebody's ear in front of the Savior of the world. Talk about a very bad mistake, bad timing. You all have done things at the wrong time. That's bad timing. But what did Jesus do? He picked it up and he healed the guy. Peter denied Jesus three times. Jesus forgives him. I'm sure Peter's anxiety goes, I will never be used by God again. I failed my God, I failed my Savior. Jesus forgives him and then uses him at Pentecost to lead thousands to the Lord. So what did Peter know about anxiety? He knew that if he puts his anxieties on Jesus, that Jesus truly cares for him because he experienced Jesus' love. He experienced Jesus' forgiveness. He experienced Jesus using him even though he felt he was not usable. So Peter says out of experience, cast your cares on him because he really does care for you. Because he knew Jesus. He knew him. And then Peter continues this, this thought being spiritually minded or spiritually thinking. He says be sober in spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So as we continue this Peter now as we continue this spiritually mindedness Peter says, be sober in spirit. This word sober, it means to be self-controlled, to not be intoxicated, both with alcohol and with drugs. I know we live in a current state, not only in Arizona, but a United States where it's okay to do certain drugs now. But you can't tell me that they don't mess with your mind. And I know this might offend or hurt some, but if if we're getting ready to talk about our spiritual enemy, and he loves to use the low point, the small little distractions, the things that, that mess with our mind, and Peter says, You must be sober. And he wasn't just talking about the way we think, he was talking about what we put in that causes distractions. He says we must be controlled both body and both mind and body. As believers, we are to live sober and controlled lives. We must pay attention to the devil and his temptations at all times because they're out there. We must be vigilant enough to see the temptations and the attacks coming and have a mind and spirit strong enough to stand against the temptations and his attacks. But so many times we are not sober in our thinking. We're not self-controlled. Self-controlled in our eating, self-controlled in our watching whatever we watch. We're not self-controlled in our drinking. We're not self-controlled in whatever we're taking in. And, and, and we all of a sudden, we set ourselves up for failure. Peter says, we must be sober-minded. Paul says this in 1 Thessalonians. He says, so then let us not sleep as others do, but let us be alert and sober. Peter writes this. He says, therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. 1 Peter 4, 7, be clear-minded. If we want to live this victorious life of faith, it is key that our mind is clear and that we stay sober-minded. And then Peter says, we must be alert. Being alert is so important in all areas of life. I remember one time I was watching my son. My son plays football. And this was early on when he was probably 7th grade, 6th grade maybe. I don't remember what grade. And there's, I don't know how many of you know much about football. But there's two teams. There's an there's a offense and then there's a defense out there. And, and my son, I believe, I don't know wh- whether he was an offense or defense. Um, but he was either a kickoff or the punt return or one of those. And he was not alert to what the other guys were doing coming across the field. Okay, Because there's guys that are coming running at you. Your job, I think he was on either kickoff return or punt return. So his job is to run and block. And he did not see this guy coming this way. And that guy took him out so fast and so hard. Knocked him on his butt. I'm pretty sure I had it on video. I deleted it out of honor of my son. He died that day. Not really, but man, I thought he did. And I just remember Larry and I like, oh. I saw him coming. But I was taken out by a TV. Some of us were taken out by alcohol, porn, the secretary, drugs, girlfriend, boyfriend. We weren't paying attention. We were taken out. Peter says, to be in this battle, which we 're going to talk about the battle in just a second, we must be alert. This means to be awake, to be on the lookout to to stay awake. It means this is Peter, this word he says is this is an imperative that means it 's a must do. Throughout scriptures, we're given this same idea. Jesus says, watch and pray in Matthew. Paul says, stand firm and be careful that you don't fall. Paul also says, be on your guard. He says, be devoted and be watchful. Be alert and be self-controlled. Peter says that the reason we must check every area around us is because we have an enemy, the devil. And he's out to get us. He's out to get us, destroy us, and to tear us apart. And his biggest attacks are right here. He comes after this. And Peter knows that. That's why Peter gives us spiritually minded tools to know. He says, Be humble. Humble isn't here. It starts here and here. Anxiety isn't here. Anxiety is here and here. Sober is not here. It starts here and here. Being alert isn't here. It starts here and here. So Peter then says, he says, verse 8, be a sober spirit, be on the alert, your adversary, yours, if you have a paper bible right now your bible if you don't you please bring it to church I just something about this I know we have phones but my phone distracts me bring this to church In your bible you have that word your It doesn't say and his adversary the devil it doesn't say Her adversary, the devil. It doesn't say their adversary, the devil. It says your adversary, the devil. Yours, yours right now. Your devil, your adversary. Jake and Carissa, your son right now has an adversary, the devil, and he's coming after him. He doesn't know it yet. His only way of defense is you guys. You are the gatekeepers. As you follow the Lord and as you are passionate about loving him and loving God, you are to watch out for the devil that's attacking him. Your adversary, the devil, he's yours. He's coming for you. He's evil and he wants you. Your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Your adversary, that means your opponent. When I think of opponents, I'm reminded of, I, I'm, I'm using football illustrations today. If you don't know football, I'm going to tell you a little bit more about football. In football, you have your offense and you have your defense. In offense, you have these guys called wide receivers. These are the guys that line up on the outside, and their whole goal is to catch the football that this guy named the quarterback is going to throw at them. That's the goal. That's their only job. On the defense, there are these guys called cornerbacks with a, with a C. Their job is to make sure that those wide receivers don't catch the football. My son's best friend is the corner against him. So in practice, Dietrich's job, his whole desire, is to make sure that Judah never catches the ball. And he's going to do whatever he can to make sure Judah doesn't. Your enemy, the devil... Your adversary, your opponent wants to make sure you don't succeed every single moment of your life. He never takes a day off. He never rests. He never grows tired or weary. He wants to destroy you. He's your adversary, the devil. And this is what he's doing. He prowls about like a roaring lion. I've always heard a taught that prowl was like a cat. You know how cats like sneak up and try to get you? You ever see cats do that? They'll do it in the middle of the floor and you're like, I see you. But as as I was studying this word more this week, the word is more walks around it's, as I, I was studying it, it, it seems like it's more like this idea of this walking about, this prowling, this, I know I'm the big bad devil and I can take you out. You know that person just sort of walks on when two guys are getting ready to fight in MMA and they get ready and they, they come out and they don't walk out like, you're jujitsu. When you go out there on the, the mat, you don't walk out there like, you walk out there, you're but you're staring down the guy. You're making sure you make eye contact that he knows you're going to kill him. That's the goal. But so many times in our Christian lives, because we are not sober-minded, because we are not alert, because we are not humble, and because we are, not, we are full of anxiety, we walk onto the mat like this, and the devil's walking around like this. He's prowling. He's your enemy, the devil, and he's prowling, looking who he might be devour it says that the devil is a roaring lion did you know this about lions a lion roars to show his power a lion roars to cause fear a lion roars to state his territory a lion tends to only roar when the acoustics are just right, that he might sound bigger than he really is. Did you know that about lions? Lions just don't roar out in the open. They try to find a place where their roar sounds bigger than they really are. That's your enemy, the devil, prowling about like a roaring lion, faking how powerful. Now, is he powerful? Oh, he 100% is. But I think we blame more on him than he deserves. I got a flat tire today. The devil attacked me. Maybe you just got a flat tire. I got tempted today to do this. Oh, maybe the devil. Or could it be that you just put yourself in the wrong situation? We give the devil way more than he ever deserves. But I also think we don't give him the credit he deserves. So your enemy, the devil, is prowling about, roaring, roaring. Another thing about their roar is they mostly roar at night when you're alone you're weakest to cause the most fear. That's your enemy. You see, he's studied you but we so many times don't know enough about him. He knows your weak points. He knows how to scare you. He knows how to ruin you. He's not stupid. We spend so much time studying other things, but we don't spend enough time to know, how can I stand strong? My son's football team, every Thursday, I think it's Thursday, or maybe it's Monday or Tuesday, I don't know what day, they watch film about the opposing team. They watch, watch, I think Monday or Tuesday, they watch how bad they did. And then later on that week, they watched the other team. We spend more time focusing on other things, like that one weed that I never saw the TV. We spend so much time focusing on other things that we get taken out by the biggest thing in front of us. Your enemy, the devil, he's prowling about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour You see, we we look at the devil and we look at the things he does, and and there are the obvious things, the murder, the violence, the theft, the the sicknesses, and we're like, the devil, he's so nasty, but the thing is, he's so sneaky. He does it in groups of friends, in our conversations. When you start talking about other people behind their backs, that's the devil prowling about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, and he's doing it in your conversation. And he's causing these conflicts. So you've got one friend, you're like, I can't believe she did this, or I can't believe they said this, and da-da-da, da da It's just back and forth. You're doing it in text. You're doing it in conversation. And the devil is like, I'm winning. He's prowling about like a roaring lion, seeking who made to devour. And he wants to use us to devour one another. The devil attacks us through gossip. He does it in our minds. He does it in our marriage. At night, he tempts us to, when we think nobody's looking, to to look at things we shouldn't. He, He tempts us to drink, and then to drink a little more, and then to drink a little more, until all of a sudden we are so distracted, and then we wake up that morning with regret. The devil wants to destroy you and those around you. And he will use others... And he will use you to do it. The devil is malicious. The devil does not play fair. John MacArthur says this the devil and his demons hide unseen in the spiritual world, but do their work through human agents. If Satan was able to distract Eve in a perfect garden, perfect garden. Everything was exactly as it was supposed to. If Satan could distract Eve, where she had everything her heart desires, how much easier is it for him to distract you and I in this broken world? But yet, we don't live alert. We allow little distractions here and there all the time. That's why spiritual thinking is so important. If we are prideful, the devil has a door. When we allow anxiety the, and the and to overwhelm, the devil has a door. When we are not sober, the devil has a door. When we are not alert, the devil has a door. But he has not won. Jesus is victorious. Jesus has already defeated the devil. So we know, according to Scripture, that Jesus is victorious. The God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath his feet. 1 John 4, for greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Peter tells us that the devil is after you, but he says this, verse 9, but resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. What is the devil after? Do you see what he's after? Do you identify what he's after? He's after your faith. He's after the foundation of your life. That's what he wants to whittle at little by little. He wants to chip it away through anxiety, through not being sober-minded, through not being humble, through not being alert. Little by little he's chipping away at your faith. That's what he's doing. But Peter says, resist him firm in your faith. not in your own strength, but in your faith. in your belief in Jesus Christ, that's where you resist him. When he tempts you to do something you shouldn't, you say, no, no, no that, that's not that's not my Jesus when he's trying to distract you with your anxieties, your worries, your cares, you're not good enough, and all those things that the devil does. He, he puts those thoughts. I don't know about you, but man, my, my mind can be an overwhelming place of anxiety. The devil attacks, this is what he does. And so when we stand firm in our faith, as Peter says, but resist him, firm in your faith. It's going back to what you believe. It's going back to these things. That's why I say, man, I, I know we have phones and I'm not saying this is the only way that you, you should read your Bibles on paper. But this is one less distraction when you read it here. I, and maybe I'm just weird. I get distracted by the smallest things on my phone. I get distracted by, I'm looking at my phone, I'm reading my devotional, and then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, did the D-backs win last night? Oh, are the D-backs, are they close to being in the wild card race? Uh, Does anybody else's mind go down these kind of rabbit trails? Is it only me? Oh, how far are they behind the Giants right now? Oh, they're only a half game behind? Okay, that's not bad. What, What are everybody else doing in the league? How'd the Cardinals do last night? All the four quarterbacks? Oh, they played all three quarterbacks. Oh, they all stunk. That's great. They lost by a whole lot of points. Okay, that's awesome. Can skip onto something. Or am I the only one that's just distracted by little things? Did I get that email? But when I open God's text, the distractions are still there, but I have to make sure that I put my phone somewhere where it's not distracting me. That's just, it's just a Something that I've been really trying to work on in my own life, just because I know it distracts me. If it says resist the devil, resist the devil, this word resist means stand against, to stand, to make a stand. Peter's final point here is that we can have spiritual victory. And the victory is found in what you put your faith in. If you put your faith in Jesus, your victory is strong. If you put your faith in yourself, your victory is broken. The better we know God's word, the more alert our spiritual senses will be able to detect the devil's prowling. Peter commands Christians to have a mind that is resolute, that that is able to resist the devil. James, Jesus' brother, brother, Jesus' brother says this, resist the devil and he will flee. It's a promise. Resist him, and he will flee. It's sort of like if you stand up against a bully, they typically back down. You know why? Because it was all a show to begin with. And so if you you resist the devil, because what is he? He's a lion who's trying to roar loud in a canyon so he sounds bigger, but all of a sudden when you approach that lion, what do you see? He's just a cat who sounded a whole lot bigger. Because why? Why don't you have to fear him? Because the Jesus that's behind you and that went before you is way bigger than that devil. We are to resist him firm in our faith. Firm, it's, it's this idea of being balanced. It's ideas of being stereo, like when music is not just mono coming through one speaker, but when it's all around. Being firm in your faith. It's this all surrounding faith a solid foundation of faith. And that is done by being fixed on Jesus, by knowing that he died for you, that he rose again for you, and that he forgives you. It's by knowing and studying God's word It's by knowing and believing in the doctrines and the understandings of the truths that we believe as Christians. So many of us, we we come to church and this is the only time we really get scripture. It's diving deeper throughout the week. The only way to stand and to resist is to obey the truths of his word. And we can trust him because he cares for us. God truly wants what's best for you. He really does. God shows his love and care by allowing his son to die on a cross for you. God shows his love and care through his word. He shows his care through his people. Peter says that we can look to those around us. To those who are accomplishing things. Because there are people right now who are walking through what you are walking through. Or they've already walked through it. Some of you are walking through tough time in parenting. There's parents who have been through it, who have walked through walking, parenting multiple toddlers at the same time. There's some of you who are teenagers or young people, in early 20s, who are working on your relationship, trying to figure out, how do I date somebody? There are many people who have already walked it who's, who are trying to figure it out. There's some of you like going, how long do I wait till I actually start pursuing somebody? Like I've already messed up so many times in my life. How do I, how do, I do it better this time? How do I not screw it up? Ask some of us. Ask, say, how did you do it? If you're a dude, ask a dude. If you're a girl, don't ask a dude. Ask, a, ask a lady. H- how do I do it? I feel like I've already messed up. There are plenty of people. God says there are people. It says right there in First Peter. It says, "But resist in of faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering that you are accomplished that you are going through are, have already been accomplished." There are parents, there are people, there are adults, there are young people who have already walked through what you've walked through. Peter says you can look to them because they've made it through. But before we can stand before the devil, we must bow before Jesus. So if we want to resist him from our faith, we've got to bow and get on our knees before Jesus. Peter had these backwards, that's why He fell. Peter tried to stand in front of the devil and he didn't bow before Jesus. He said, Jesus, I got this. He cut off a guy's ear, denied Jesus three times, and took his buddies fishing without looking for Jesus (laughs) within like days. Because he mixed those two up. Peter says, But guys, we can't stop. We won't stop. The world needs us to stand. The world needs to see in us the love that God has for us. And God's love wants to shine through you so that the world might see that there is a loving God who cares for you. Peter says, be spiritually minded. Peter says, recognize that you have a spiritual enemy and you're in a spiritual battle. Peter says, walk in spiritual victory because the battle is won or lost by faith. So I want to make a challenge to each of you today. This battle that we have is against a real enemy. And he's going to come after you every single day. It is a fight that's both body and mind. When our mind is weak, we fall to temptation. When our body is weak, we fall to temptation. Whenever I've trained a team to go on a mission trip, I always ask them, hey, get, spiritual, get physically healthy. Here's why. Because when you, are physically, when you go on a mission trip, you are spending mind... Body and soul. When your body is weak, your mind and your soul fall so fast because you're tired. How many of you get irritable when you're tired? Anybody? Or am I the only one? Yeah, we all do, right? And how many of you get irritable when you're tired and hungry? Yeah, you get hangry, right? Sometimes you just become the devil. Some of you are hungry for pie and you're like, when's this guy going to be over? I just want to eat more pie. I'm almost done. So I always encourage my teams, get physically healthy and spiritually and mentally. So here's my challenge for you. Starting tomorrow, which I forgot to say last service, after pie, starting tomorrow, I want to give us a 30-day challenge. 30 days. To work on our mental and physical mind discipline what can we do to be clear minded to be sober here's a few things you pick be quiet find quiet time now this isn't reading your bible this is just quiet time I do about two three minutes in my chair at home and I just sit there and I do this close my eyes first thing in the morning sit in my chair and I go there's no music no TV no phone no Bible yet and I just sit and then I want to encourage you find time to read your Bible something, I, I don't know what, but Bible time. Avoid things that are altering, like drinking and drugs. You have a drink every whenever. You do it to feel good. So you know what, for 30 days, You're not doing it to make God happy with you. God can't love you anymore. You're doing it because you're in a spiritual battle, and the devil will use anything and everything he can to discourage and distract you. Judah's football coach tells his players not to drink any or eat any sugar for the entire football season. Wrestler coaches do the same thing. No sugar. No sugar for the whole season because they know it distracts. Isn't that insane? That humans that don't care about your spiritual know something that can distract you though because he knows it gets in their mind so avoid drinking, drugs spend some time in prayer write them out if you need to minimize or stop your social media, I deleted it from my phone I have to actually log into it, that's really helped me lately, I'm just not on it as much, I get on it still, I mean I'm not like cold turkey cut it but like somebody said hey I'll DM you and I'm like well I'm not I have to like log into it on my phone so it's a little annoying but I'll still do it for you stop watching porn stop watching shows that have it in it Game of Thrones I don't know what other shows I don't watch that I don't we watch there's a bunch of fishing shows that are currently watched, being watched at my house my kid's into fishing so I watch that Actually, I don't. It's just annoying. But stop watching it. Stop looking at it. It's clouding your mind. Join a belong group. This could be one of the best things you could do for your own spiritual soul, for your mind and your body and your soul. Join a belong group. We're talking about them. You go into into 2000, every belong group leader is going to be in there and they'll be able to invite you. We've got, if you're a dude and you wanna go to just a men's belong group, we got one that meets Thursday mornings. If you're a a young mom or a mom or a lady, we have a women's belong group that meets on Wednesday mornings. If you're a high school student, we have a belong group for you. If you're a young adult, we have a belong group for you. If you're a person of any other kind of whatever you are, we have a belong group for you. Find a belong group because there you can find strength. Get plugged in. Body. Body body discipline. This is my struggle. I, I'm i not good at it. You put something sweet. I didn't have a piece of pie last service. Was it because I'm this super strong person? No, it's because I knew if I eat pie before I, this probably I'm probably going to have indigestion or start burping while I'm, I'm being honest, like, I just, I can't eat and then try to talk. Like, it's not, I, you don't want to see it. But for me, you put ice cream in front of me you offer me ice cream you offer me mini snickers bar peanut m&ms caramel m&ms plain m&ms i could pretty much say no to those because why in the world would you ever eat those because there's good stuff you can put inside of them but here's the thing body discipline make better choices a guy challenged me to do 75 hard with him And I was like, what is it? And so I go, text it to me real quick. I read it. I was like, wait, no cheat days for 75 days? But it says you can pick your own diet. So I'm going to pick a diet that says I can have a cheat day so that I'm not having a cheat day. Does that work? Robert says yes. Make better eating choices. Drink water. Drink water. Some of you, these, some of these things, you're like, I already don't do that. We'll make a checklist. I don't know how many of you, I know, Mark, you like to do this. I like to make a checklist and write things that I've already done just to check them off so I can see it's done. Some of you can go, I don't struggle with this. Well, then you can mark it off saying, I did that one. Other ones, you're like, okay, I'm, God, help me work on that one. So drink more water. Some of you might do that. Some of you don't. Work out. And working out could be as simple as go for a walk. That's my challenge. 30 days, September 19th, starts tomorrow after pi. We have an enemy who is ready for us. We need to be ready to resist him. The more we know of Jesus, the stronger we can stand. The battle is won or lost by our faith, but in Jesus, we can walk in victory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, We have a battle every single day and this enemy, he's coming at us. You know him, you know him very well because you created him. You didn't create him to be our enemy, but he chose to be. But Jesus, your word says that greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Lord, your word says that you already have the victory. Lord, your word says that you are mighty, that you are the king and that you are the ruler of all things. Lord, your word says that nothing is impossible for you. So God, I ask... That you would give us strength to walk in your victory today. That you give us strength to live in faith, knowing that you are the great and awesome King of kings and Lord of lords. And so Holy Spirit, now, I ask that you would fill our lives. You, You would give us the strength that we need to stand, the strength that we need to resist, because we cannot do this in our own strength. We will fail and God, may we realize that you can't love us anymore if we, if we last 30 days. Lord, that you won't love us any less if we fail on Wednesday. But God, I pray that we would realize that what these kind of things do is they help us sharpen our minds so that we might live the life that you have for us. But Jesus, that can only be done in you. So fill us with your word. Guide us with our minds and protect us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to click that follow button and tune in next week for another great message.